with life worth living. You know, Jesus came to give you love. And I love it because Jesus doesn't just say that he loves you. He shows you his love. And when you begin to appreciate that Jesus loves you, your life changes forever. In fact, love is the most powerful thing in the whole world. It changes people like no other single thing. But we're going to be looking at several things about Jesus's love. One is that God is the only source of love. You can't find love anywhere else. And you can't have love in you until you go to the very source of love, which is Jesus himself. So I challenge you, man, get into God's love and never, ever get out again. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? You are the one that Jesus loves. In fact, don't brag about how much you love God. Brag about how much he loves you. Jesus was born to give you love. And we're going to be looking again in Luke, looking, turning the lens of love, the lens of love in uh, as we read from a, a couple of scriptures from Luke. And here's the first one. I'm going to be skipping around a little bit in that story there in Luke 1. But in verse 3, the Bible says, with this in mind, this is Luke speaking. He's the one that authored the book of Luke. He says, with this in mind, since I myself, this is Luke, have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, Theophilus was a Greek man. And Luke was a physician, and he spent some time writing the book of Luke and Acts in the Bible to explain all the things of Jesus's life or many of the things of Jesus's life and ministry, but also what happened after Jesus died, was resurrected, and and went to heaven. And so he wrote to this man, Theophilus, to explain everything to us, and aren't you glad that he did it? If he hadn't written this book, we wouldn't know half of what was going on. But he did, and thankfully we have this record here, so that you might know with certainty the things that you have been taught. Now, I'll tell you what, a big part of church is teaching. It's learning. It's things that we might not have known otherwise. And I'm here to tell you the subject of love requires some teaching. The subject of love doesn't come naturally to us humans The subject of love is misinterpreted, and it requires us to be taught. A lot of times when people get married, they're married to their spouse, and they need to learn to love each other. Love doesn't come naturally, unfortunately, for a lot of us. And so we need to be taught. And God wants to teach us this morning a little bit more about love. A little bit more about love. In 2 Timothy 1.13, the Apostle Paul says, What you've heard from me, keep as the good pattern of sound teaching. What? What about what? About faith and about love. We as humans need to be taught more about love. It's a subject that requires some learning and some teaching. So let's do that this morning. Let's learn a little bit more about love. Love is, a, uh, is, is really the most powerful thing in the whole wide universe. Did you know that? It's, it's, not, 
intellect is not the most powerful thing. Uh, you know, being able to mobilize people and lead them to do great and powerful things, that's not the most powerful thing. Love is the most powerful thing in the whole wide world because I'll tell you this, love will change your life like nothing else will. Love will change your life like nothing else will. Now, I stumbled onto God's love several years ago, and it changed my life. And I stumbled onto his love way after I became a Christian. I became a Christian first, and I dabbled and knew a little bit about God's love. But then a couple of decades later, like 20 years later, I stumbled onto the love of God, and it changed my life completely. In more ways than I could ever begin to tell you, I love God's love. I love God's love. And I've seen it change your lives as well and other people's lives as well. People that are way removed from church. They don't know much about the Bible, but they've brushed up against God's love and it's changing them. And I can see it changing them. And I can certainly see it changing me as well. It is so powerful. It's so awesome. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here. If you appreciate that someone loves you, not that you know, but you appreciate that someone loves you, it'll change you forever. It'll change you forever. And I'll give you a a couple of obvious examples. If you, let's say you've grown up in a home where there isn't much love, and maybe you were in a foster care system, and you've, you never experienced God, anybody's love, God's love or anybody's love, and all of a sudden one day you're adopted into a loving family, you begin to appreciate that you are loved, it changes you. You feel safer, you feel secure, you feel like you might actually have hope for a future. Appreciating the love that somebody has for you, it changes you. I'll tell you another thing that changes you is when you start loving somebody else. Now, I'll never forget, it was about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the evening, a nice summer day. In fact, it was July 27th, 1999, one day before my son Kyle was born. My wife was big, really big, and she and I were walking And she knew that the next day, and I knew that the doctor was going to induce her, and our lives were never going to be the same again. Now, I I thought our life was going to be different because there was going to be three of us instead of just two of us. What I didn't realize is I was going to experience loving someone like I'd never loved them before. You see, whenever you start loving someone, it changes your life, and you're never the same again. Love, whether you receive love or you give love, changes you forever. You're never going to be the same person again because love is that powerful in your life. Well, we need to appreciate God's love for me, for moi, okay, for you. When you start appreciating that God loves you, you're never going to be the same again. It's real, it's tangible, it's thick, it's heavy. God's love comes and just blankets you, and you can't be the same person ever again. It changes you. It's powerful. Now, here's some thoughts and some teachings about love. Okay, I want want you to pretend that you're dating somebody, all right? You might be way past that age and you're married, but go way back to the beginning before you were married, 
and, and you're dating someone, you've been dating them for about three or four months, and you feel this lovey, tickly thing in your heart, and you feel like, you know what, it's time for me to let them know that I love them. So you get in your car, you ask them out on a date, you go drive up on Rim Road, you park the car, you see the city lights, you turn on some romantic music, they're sitting right beside you, and you say, you know what, I want to tell you something. I think I love you. And the mood is right, the feeling's right, and you look deep into their eyes, and they, they turn and they look deep into your eyes, and they say, I have the same feeling, I love you. But you know what? They tell you, I don't like you. <laughs> what? You just told me you like me, but you don't, you love me, but you don't like me? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. What are you talking about? The mood dies, the music falls off, the lights come on, and you see, like, what just happened? There's some dumb people out there that will say, I love so-and-so, but I sure don't like them. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, but people say it. And usually it's about a family member that you have this, you know, your, it's a cousin, a brother, somebody, and you say, I've got to love them, but I sure don't like them. Guess what? You can't love someone if you don't like them. That's not real love. When you love someone, you are going to like them. And so I would tell you, it's time for us to start working a little bit more on liking people before we try to love them. Love is not something that can be forced. It's either real, it's, it's fake, or it's real. Don't ever believe that, <laughs> that you can somehow love somebody without liking them. So we need to work on this. And I want to ask you a question today. Do you like God do you like God? And if so, what is it about God that you like? And start going through some of those thoughts. You're like, well, I like God because, you know what? He's given me the, the Bible. I can read that. I like God because at times I feel his presence and I feel he's close to me. I like God because he gave me his son to die on the cross for me. I like God because there's been times when I was sick in my body and God healed me. There's been times when I was lonely and I felt him just kind of comfort me. I like God. And see, when you start thinking that way, you can actually say, you know what? I love God. Well, so goes with people. Start thinking about the things that you like about people and stop thinking about all their flaws, which we're all plagued with flaws. Believe me, there's plenty of things not to like about me personally. And if you don't know me well enough, I'll tell you all the things you don't like about me. <laughs> but you know what? There's always something that you can like about somebody. There's always something that you can like. Even if they're abusive, there's something to be liked about somebody. And when you start thinking about those things, you can start loving people. So focus on liking people and lo certainly liking God. Here's the other thing that I would tell you about love. Love is measurable. Love is measurable. You can have a lot of love. You can have halfway love. You can have a little love. Or you can have no love at all. It's measurable. And the other thing I would tell you is love has a source. And that source is God. But first, before we get to that, if I have a glass and I want to 
I love having cold milk with my breakfast, all right? And so I'll go into the refrigerator and I'll go to the source. Now, you know, we're not out in the, the farm, so the source is obviously the cow. I'm not, I'm not telling you that. But in our society, you go to the refrigerator and it's, there's a jug of milk and I fill that cup up all the way to the top. It's full of milk, all right? I drink and it gets down and, and in little, I have less and less milk. And if I need to refill, I'll go get some more. So is with love. You can run out of love. You can be empty of love. You can, your love can shrink. The Bible says the love of some will grow cold. They'll have less and less love. What do we do then when we don't feel a whole lot of love in us? Go back to the source. Go back to God and let him refill you with love. Fill you up with love. Let's look at, at see, if, see if I'm lying to you. Is this accurate or not? But if you go to 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11, John says, dear friends, let us love one another. All right, that's the goal, to love people. Certainly to love God, but to love people. But what does it say? It says, for love comes from God. So if you're not feeling a lot of love, which we all go through kind of droughts of love, go back to the source. Go back to Jesus. He's the one that has all the love. It says everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But whoever doesn't, uh, does not love doesn't know God. Have you ever known a Christian, somebody who says they're a Christian, maybe they are, not be a very loving person? I have, <laughs> certainly, a lot of people, and I was probably one of them, all right? Did you know that Christians can be low on love and even empty of love? It's because they don't really know their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The more you know God, you get to know him as a person, a relatable being, you will love more and more and more. So get to know God more. And by the way, the God that I'm talking about, I just want to take a pause here. God is a very average name that seems to be applied just about everywhere. I'm speaking of the God whose son is Jesus Christ, just so you know. That's, that's the God. I'm not talking about the Mormon God or the Jehovah's Witness God or the Islamic God or the Hindu God or Buddhist God. I'm speaking of the one true God whose son is Jesus Christ. That is is the source of all love. It says, whoever doesn't know God doesn't have love because God is love. It doesn't say God has love. God is love. And this is how God shows, remember this word, shows his love among us. He sent, and in John 3, 16, it says he gave. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might Live through him. This is love. Not that I love God. No, it's that he loved me first. Amen. All right, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for my sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, if he fills us with love, it's time for us to start loving other people. Amen. Loving other people. So, a couple of thoughts here to show love. Now, I have four children. They're getting pretty old now, but this even applies at their age. Can you imagine if I said, I love you guys, but I didn't show them an ounce of attention? 
would that be showing love to them? No, I'd be mouthing love, but not real love. I have to spend time. If I'm going to show love, I've got to spend time with whoever I love to show them. They have to feel my love. We have to have enjoyment together. And guess what? I, it can't all be, I can't be sitting there. You guys got to be perfect. Sit there. Shut up. Be quiet. No. That's, that's seeking for them to be per- perfect. I just want to see some progress in their life. And God's that way with me too, right? He said, hey, at least you're better than yesterday. <laughs> right? I think that's what God's telling us all the time. Hey, good job. And he's thinking, my goodness, you got such a long ways to go. But you're making some progress. The love of God isn't focused on perfection. It's just inch by inch, step by step, day by day. A little bit more progress. Think about how you are as a parent. I pray that you're this way. Not trying to get your kid to be perfect. Helping them just make a little bit of progress. That's the love of God. The love of God is is a, about relaxing one another. If my kids and my family never saw me relax with them, they wouldn't feel loved. They like it whenever I just turn off my phone, turn off my brain, sit and watch a movie, enjoy going out and getting a shake or doing something. We've got to relax with the ones that we love. Otherwise, they won't know that they're loved. We've got to teach them responsibility and hold that thought because we're going to talk about that in a second. Love is also about second chances. Can you imagine if my kids messed up and I'm just slapping them upside the head? You idiot. What were you thinking? No. Love is second chances and third chances and fourth chances. That shows love. And love comes with perks. All right? If you love somebody, hey, there's always going to be a perk here and a perk there. And let's go out and get some dinner and let's go watch a movie and let's go do. There's perks to being loved by someone. So we need to remember that as we're showing love. And then also we see here, most importantly, that God gave his son in these scriptures that we read. God gave his only son. Love gives and then gives and then gives some more and keeps giving and keeps giving. That's the love of God. And guess what? We can do that as well. You can just keep giving and giving and do it joyfully. What if somebody takes advantage of me? Who gives a rip if somebody takes advantage of you, man? Just keep loving. Keep loving. Develop a thick skin, but keep a soft heart. All right? And just keep giving because God gives. Now, I wrote this in my journal, so I'll throw it up here on the screen and read it to you. And this is so key. This is so vital to loving people and receiving the love of God. It says, You've got to receive love in order to show love and give love. Now, Jesus gave us the great commandment, love God with all your heart and also love people. That was his command. But then he also said, this isn't love that you love me. It's that I loved you first. So when you're feeling low on love, don't try to love somebody. You can't fake love. Go back to God and say, God, please fill me with your love. Fill me with your love so that I can overflow once again to others. Let's read on. You aren't going to show many other people much love unless you feel loved yourself. you got to feel love yourself first before you can start loving other people. First, receive and bask 
in the love of God. Let your emotions thaw out. Let your hurts be healed. Let God supply what's, what's missing or it's been robbed from you. Many of us have had a terrible experience, a divorce, maybe abuse suffered as a child and something was robbed from us. God wants to replenish what's been taken from you. He wants to replenish and give you extra so now you can start overflowing with love even though something was done to you that hurt you in the past. Then and only then you can start loving and liking those around you. Now, isn't that wonderful? Religion would slap you upside your head and say, you got to love people. You got to show people. Show people love. No, no, no. God says, come to me and let me love on you. (laughs) And now you can start loving other people little by little, little little by little. Let's go back to Luke 1, verse 13 now. And the setting here is this angel has showed up to Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Before he had John the Baptist, he had this this, uh, vision of this angel that appeared to him. And here's what the angel told him. First thing, Zechariah was terrified. We learned that the last couple of weeks. The angel says, do not be afraid. Now that's love talking. Don't be afraid. When you love somebody, you're going to tell them, don't stress out. Don't worry. And God is always telling us, don't worry. Don't panic. Don't be anxious. Don't flip out. Don't freak out. Don't be stressed out. I love you. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. Now, why does God want to answer your prayers? Why does God tell you, ask and you receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will... Why does he do that? Because he loves you. That's why he wants to answer your prayers. And so instead of thinking that God, oh, I don't know, he's teeter-totter, he might be, he loved me, he might not love me, he might be angry with me. God is not angry with you if you're living in his son, Jesus Christ, his son. He is, his son is chosen, therefore you are chosen. He loves you. With all of his heart. So God is trying to show you his love by answering your very prayers. So ask God. Ask God big things, incredible things. And God is going to show you his love by doing amazing things. But you might argue, well, Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, were old. And they had been praying for years for a child And so you might say, well, why did God wait so long to answer their prayer if he loved them so much? What is going on, God? Are you harsh? Do you not have a prayer that you've prayed that God hasn't answered yet? I bet every single one of us has at least one prayer, big, big prayer that God hasn't answered. And don't those thoughts go through your mind? I wonder if God really loves me at all because he hasn't even he hasn't even done this. God hasn't even answered my prayer yet. Well, you know what we need to do, (laughs) as Zechariah should have done as well, is think of all the other things God has done for you. There's 90, if there's one thing God hasn't done for you, there's 99 things that he has done for you. And receive his love from all these other things. God still cares for you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not going to, he's not blowing you off. He's not, it's not that he's not listening to you. God loves you, so thank him for the many, 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 many blessings that you have in your life because of him. It's him 
showing you that he loves you. So we need to receive God's love, acknowledge all the good things that he's done for us, and don't agonize over those one or two things that God hasn't done for you yet. He's at work. He's going to make things happen. He's taking care of you. He hasn't forgotten you. I've never, I've been thinking about this person, and it's nobody in our church here. In fact, I don't think anybody here knows him. There's this guy that I know who suffered in loads of tragedy. You think you have a bad life? This guy's had a worse life than you. And if I told you all the details, you'd say, you're right. He had a worse life than I did. He suffered tragedy. He's been rejected by his family. And yet this guy always appears at least to be happy. And I don't think you can fake happiness. He's joyful. He's happy. He's caring about other people. And yet he's had an incredibly hard life. This person must know that God really loves him because he acts like it. You and I, we need to start acting like we know that God loves us because we're going to act differently. You're going to be happy if you know that God loves you. This guy has no self-pity, no apparent bitterness, and doesn't seem to have a whole lot of doubt in his life. He is really made, an, and this guy's a young guy, he's really made a huge impression on me. We should be the same way. Well, let's read on here in verse 20, just a few more thoughts this morning. And uh, the, the angel tells Zechariah, because Zechariah doesn't believe the promise that he's going to have a boy, he says, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happen, happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. You say, Steve, you're talking about the love of God. And here this angel makes this guy mute until the day that the promise occurs. That sounds pretty harsh. We must have a harsh God. What's going on with the love of God? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> God has certain expectations of you, and he helps you reach those levels. And I'll tell you what, there's times when my children were bad. You know what I did when they were bad? And I give them three chances. This is what my parents did for me. Three strikes and you're out, all right? I never doubted my parents' love, but you know what? After I disobeyed them three times, you know what happened to me trasero, to my behind? It got spanked. Was that abusive? No, it's not abusive to spank your children. Not at all. I think children need that. In fact, the Bible speaks of not sparing the rod, all right? I would get spanked, and I spanked my children. You know why? Because I wanted them to learn how to live at a, a higher level, at a more excellent level, at an obedient level, at a level where they wouldn't get themselves into trouble. And I'll never forget, I wasn't much of a disciplinarian. I'll never forget the Lord telling me, I didn't, I didn't like getting onto my kids. And I felt the Lord tell me once, if, Steve, if you don't discipline your kids, I will. The Lord's love disciplines us and holds us accountable. It really does. If you love somebody, you need to hold them accountable, and they need to be able to hold you accountable as well. I was driving with a, a friend of mine, a work, or work friend of mine, and I started. we were talking about holding our kids accountable, and he looked at me. He's not a Christian. He looked at me and says, Steve, I thought you, I thought you loved people because we were talking about holding people accountable at work. And I said, of course I, I love them, and that's why I love them. I'm going to hold them accountable so they can progress in life. Love, love isn't weak. Love is strong. Love is fierce, and love holds 
us accountable. God was holding Zechariah accountable because he wanted him to have faith in God, to live at a higher level, to live at a freer level. So God holds us accountable. He allows troubles to come into our life so that we can learn to live at a higher level. That, that has everything to do with love as well. All right, so just a couple more thoughts here. In verse 28 of Luke 1, the angel went to her and said, and this was Mary, he said, Greetings, you were highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. There's that love speaking again. Mary, you have found favor with God. There was another man in the Old Testament. His name was Daniel. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? That Daniel? An angel came to Daniel and he said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed in heaven. You are highly esteemed by God. So Mary was uh, found favor in God. Daniel was highly esteemed. And in one version, the Bible says that Daniel was told, you are greatly loved. You are greatly loved. So what was it about Mary and Daniel that they were so esteemed and so greatly loved? And I'll tell you, it's this simple thing. They received the love of God and they believed they were loved. My wife tells me that she loves me often. And you know what I do with that? I just believe it. I believe she loves me and I receive it. And so when God tells you that he loves you, receive it and just believe it. Say, I'm loved. I'm highly favored of God. He esteems me. And you say, I've done too many bad things. That's not the point. God loved us before we ever even came to him. All right? So what's the first step? Trying to prove your love to God or just receiving the love of God that he tells us that he has for us? God's love, I will say this a million gazillion times. God's love is like this wonderful ocean I'm standing on the shore and scratching my head. Does God really love me that much? And I say, forget it. I run into the water. I dive into his love and I swim out as deep as I can. And I say, I'm never, ever getting out of the love of God. I'm staying here until the day I die. I receive the love of God. I accept the love of God. And you know what I need to do? I need to get up in, the, in a mirror. And I, I did this last night just so I wouldn't be lying to you. I got into my bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I said, Steve, God loves you. We need to remind ourselves of that. And you may not like what you see in the mirror and that's okay. God loves what he sees. He loves you. And you need to remind yourself of the love of God for you personally. In, in John 15, 9, Jesus says, remain in my love. Jump into that ocean and remain there. Never get out. Don't let memories, regrets, anything that you've gone through coax you out of the love of God. Remain in the love of God and drown in it. John uh, one of the disciples of Jesus referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. Can you imagine people come up to you and they say, hey, what's your name? I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Hey, that's some identity there. Forget my name. Forget my accomplishments. I'm just the person that Jesus loves. Man, 
that's good. In fact, in John 13, he mentions it, I think it's five times in, in the book that he wrote in John. He says, uh, again, he says, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to Jesus. This was at the Last Supper. Guess what? If you're the one who Jesus loves, you're going to get closer and closer and closer to Jesus, and you're going to receive more and more love, and you're going to show more and more love. Why? Because you identify yourself as the one who Jesus loves. In fact, I will tell you this. Don't brag about how much you love God. Brag about how much God loves you. Amen? Don't brag about being obedient. Brag about the grace of God in your life that makes you obedient. Amen? Praise God. I brag about how much God loves this bald-headed man. Praise God. I'm so thankful that God loves me, and I'm so thankful he loves you. All you need to do is just receive it. Say, okay, God, you tell me I, you love me, I, I receive it. I'm going to stop listening to these stupid thoughts about my failures, my how, how far I've fallen. No, man, God loves me, and I'm just going to receive that. Your life is going to change. Your life is going to change. So uh, the last verse that we'll read here from Luke in verse 38 of Luke 1, Mary says to the angel after she's been promised to be the mother of Jesus. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled to me. You see, God's love for Mary caused Mary to love God back. All right? Love is easy. God loves me first. I just love him back. And then her love caused her to be willingly obedient to the Lord. Man, I'll tell you what, obedience is like 10 layers above all the things that leads up to obedience. Man, religion would tell you, obey God. You got to do what God tells you to do, and you do, believe me. But there's so many things that leads up to obedience, and the, the main one is just the love of God. You love God, he loves you, you're going to do what he tells you to do because you trust him. You know he's got this, your best interest in mind. And it becomes easy to obey. I'm not going to tell you about the times of obeyed God because it, just, it should just come naturally. I just obey God. Yeah. It's not hard. He just loves me. I love him. And I'm going to do what he tells me to do. There was this, uh, my favorite job I've ever had was an after-school daycare person. I would get off out of school. I'd head straight for this, this little Christian school. I'd go into the gym. There's a girl that I worked with. She took the girls. I took the boys. And all we did was have fun. But those first two weeks, those little boogers, man, these little kids were stinkers. They were bad. They would misbehave. They wouldn't listen to me. But you know what? I liked them anyways. I liked them. And we would play basketball, and we'd make up games, and they started getting the impression that I liked them. And you know what? After about two weeks, they started doing everything that I told them to do. I'd say, hey, guys, time to line up. Man, they'd line right up. Hey, it's time to go get your snack. They'd sit down. They wouldn't be pouring milk on each other anymore, crumbling graham crackers on each other's heads. They stopped all that business, and they started doing what I told them to do. You know why? Because they knew I liked them. They had favor with me. Every single last one of them, little turkeys, but it was, it was fun, and that's how it is with God. When we start realizing, you know what? God likes me. 
I'm going to start doing what he tells me to do. We're, we're friends. The Bible says we're a friend of God. We're, we're no longer servants of God. Yes, we serve God. We're friends of God because we receive his love for us. All right. In fact, John 14, 23, I'll read it real quick. Says Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. All right. So we love God. He loves us. We do what he tells us to do. And here's the last scripture I'll read to you. On this Christmas morning, John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world. Who's the, who's the world? Us at our worst. Us at our worst. Think of the worst thing. And just for a brief second, think of the worst thing that you've ever done. And at that moment, God loved you. I tell you what, you can't earn God's love. He loved you before you did anything to do any, to get any favor from him. He loved you unconditionally, unconditionally, he loves you. All right. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. Do you think for a second, I would give Tara, my daughter in exchange for you guys? Never do it. I'm sorry. I wouldn't do it. And you wouldn't either. All right. But God did. He gave his most precious, valuable son for you and for me. That whoever would just believe and just receive his love would not perish, but would have eternal life. For God didn't send his son in the world to hammer you over the head with condemnation and shame. No, he sent his son into the world to save you. To save you from yourself, from your addictions, from your weaknesses, from all your failures. He came to save you from yourself, from this world from God's coming wrath, because it is coming. (laughs) We need to be aware of that. God came to save you. Now just receive it. Let's pray so these poor mothers can get out of here. (laughs) I'm sorry, we didn't have nursery or kids. It's terrible. Brief prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, God, for this Christmas day. We thank you, God, for loving us so much, Lord Jesus, and for being with us and and not demanding perfection out of us, but simple progress towards sanctification, holiness, and perfection. We thank you, Jesus. You're the God of second chances. You're the God that gives us perks in life, Lord, and blessings, Lord, and grace in life. Lord Jesus, you're not there to hammer us. You're there to encourage us. Lord Jesus, yes, you do discipline us. Yes, you do hold us accountable because you want us to progress in in, in life and get closer to you. So help us this Christmas, Lord God. Help us this coming year, and we thank you, Lord, for it. In your name I pray, amen.